Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I asked you after the bowl victory about taking some time to relax and recover or whatever, but judging by the past four weeks, you haven't had a chance to slow the pace down between hirings, recruitings, and now signings. No, that's just the way the calendar works out. You know, we got back and uh, played on a second, got back that evening. I know I think on January 3rd I had a head coach's Zoom with the AFCA and the transfer portal window opened up on the 4th or visits for transfer portal guys went to the 4th through the 8th. And so obviously we had several guys in during that period. Uh, then, you got, then you got back out on the road and you had official visits for all your remaining guys you're targeting in the class. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, it's been pretty, been whirlwind to say the least, but uh, get through Wednesday here and then actually the coaches are going to get a, a couple of days off just to kind of unwind hopefully for a little bit because then it's right back right back preparing for uh, spring ball. Does that include yourself? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what do you expect from this final, or maybe I should say second signing class instead of final because in the portal days there's no such thing as a final signing class. Yeah, we think we got uh, it could be a couple high school guys mm-hmm. potentially mm-hmm. join the program, and then uh, transport guys as well, older guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not allowed to comment publicly sure. on anyone prior to their signing some some form of aid agreement with the university. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we we have some needs that we're targeting. Um, you know, as we transition offensive schemes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we could find a tight end, a veteran tight end, that would be good, and uh, we, we like our chances there. And then you're always looking for any type of veteran proven uh, difference maker mm-hmm. at any position. Mm-hmm. So um, when, when this is done, uh, December was mostly about holding class together. Mm-hmm. Now this has been about putting your own class together with the transfer portal primarily in high school. Are, are you satisfied so far? Yeah, I don't know if I would say call your own class because you you are you still are under scholarship limitations. Sure. Right, and so it's not like we can just go out and bring in another twenty new guys. Uh, you know, we signed just over twenty guys in in the early signing period. Mm-hmm. So that is the I mean, that is the bulk of the signing class. Mm-hmm. Anything we had here is because we we feel we have a good player who would be crazy not to add to the program, or there's a there's a need at that position or in that class on the depth. And so I think this is uh, hopefully icing on the cake of what was a very good class. I know coaches everywhere are still feeling their way through this, these two signing classes, the portal and all these things. Uh, you need to be at 85 by the time the new school year starts next year. What are you looking at up, up against that 2085 right now? Oh, we're, yeah, we'll be right there. I mean, you really have to be at 85 in the spring too, right? So you got you got mid-year mid-year enrollees mm-hmm. who that's all the number of those you can bring in is dependent on how many guys graduated mid-year. Obviously because we got we got a great academic support here and our guys did a nice job in the classroom and that's been reflected in our APR and our team GPAs. We had quite a few guys graduate mid-year and so we were able to replace them with a lot of mid-year enrollees. In fact, we probably won't even uh, fill that up. But that gives you a lot of flexibility that you can have a full 85 on your campus through mm-hmm. spring practice and then, um, you know, continue to build your class because obviously there's another transportal window coming up and 
those last couple of weeks of April. So, yeah, that academic stuff, that really matters as far as recruiting. Sometimes something you need to stress to guys, you can make room for players just by taking care of your academic business. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, you know, having guys graduate graduate early, mid-year, um, creates creates the ability to bring in mm-hmm. high school mid-year enrollees mm-hmm. and things like that. And so it's a, it's a big benefit to the program. With all the activities there, has there ever been a moment you've had a chance to stop and pause and say, hey, I'm a head coach now and a head coach in the SEC at that? Or is that just you're not even allowing yourself to think that way yet? I would assume that hits you pretty hard as soon as you have to go start going through all the administrative HR stuff <laughs> that you never had to as a, as a coordinator, you know, talking, uh, talking salary pools and uh, job descriptions and flow charts and organizational hierarchy charts that'll that'll kind of hit you in the face that yeah you're not just trying to scheme up third down defenses anymore a lot different than filming out the 335 lineup right now <laughs> yeah, yeah you actually you long for this you long for the opportunities to just sit down and just watch for watch film but they're few and far between between right now i was going to mention that in assembling the staff i did a little quick calculus this morning counting your support staff and all the people going on You've got over a century worth of experience, SEC experience in this staff, whether they're on or off field. Were you aware of that? Is something you looked at? Or is that just kind of how it fell together? No, hundred uh, percent. You know, obviously, it'd be pretty naive of me as a as a first time head coach, and I've been in this league for three years to not look for guys who have proven track records in college football, and particularly in this league, because uh, we all know the SEC is. A league like no others um, and so that was priority number one as we were assembling, assembling the staff guys who have experience coaching this league know what it takes to recruit mm-hmm. develop the, the players win in this league and then particularly recruit in the state of Mississippi and the footprint you know what we would roughly say is a 250 300 mile radius around campus mm-hmm. if, if we can uh, recruit that footprint very well and keep the best players in the state here then uh, we'll be just fine when after just one season here, now summer of 2020, Mississippi State extended your contract. I think at the time it was an unprecedented contract. It, we'd never given an assistant more than a two-year deal. And then they did it again last summer. I mean, was that kind of a symbol to you that this place really likes you and wants to keep you? Yeah, you know, I think, I think after that first season, I don't think it was a three-year deal after that first year. Mm-hmm. I think it was after year two. Yeah, two. yeah. but... No, I. Uh, I mean, obviously, this this university, this this community, Stark, Starkville as a whole, has completely changed uh, my and my family's lives forever. You know, obviously, it goes without saying financially, mm-hmm. but just um, the impact it's had on us. I could not think of a better place to raise a family. Uh, I think. I think my style of coaching, who I am, and. Who Mississippi State is as a university, it was just a, a really good fit. Um, you know, this place is blue collar, mm-hmm. no frills. The type, the type of player that has come through this program for a very long time throughout the history of the school is gritty, tough, hard nosed. Just want to, just want to put in the work. Love football. Don't mind putting in a hard day's work. And uh, I think my coaching style and what I like what I've liked to do on a 
defensive side of the ball has been a really good fit here. And fortunately, uh, I'm now I find myself in the head coach's chair. Mm -hmm. I mentioned Dr. Keenum on the field while we were watching you take the celebration there. I turned and said, you picked the right guy. This guy fits. And he lit up about that. I think he was looking at you and saw the fit. And you mentioned that Mississippi State. How soon was it apparent when you got here that this place suited you and you suited it? I think it's right from the start. And to be honest with you, uh, I think that a lot of that credit also goes to Coach Leach as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, his program was a good fit for me. But just, I mean, talk is cheap, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of slogans can be thrown around and, and hype across the world of football. Obviously, we know the impact social media does. But ultimately, this game is uh, the results speak for themselves, right? And uh, I've always grown up in this business that at the end of the game, you look at the scoreboard and it tells you, you know, it's a reflection of your performance. And so uh, the thing I love here is this is like the anti, anti-talk and hype and publicity machine. I mean, Mississippi State is gritty, hard-nosed. Let's just roll the ball out there and see who the better man is. And uh, that's what I love about it. Your selection seemingly bucks the recent trend in hiring of coaches most major levels. They're looking for offensive guys. Everybody looks for the next, the hot coordinator, the proven offensive player. Do you even notice that, or do you think maybe that's more a reflection of evidence Mississippi State has faith in you as an all-around coach, just a capital C coach, period? Not offense, defense, just a coach. Yeah, you know, I think you hear about that in the coaching circles, right, that obviously this is the age of the offensive coaching hire. Um, you know, as a, as a proud defensive guy, <laughs> doesn't mind ribbing the offensive guys a little bit, but I think if you look back at a lot of national – national title winning teams their head coaches a lot of times skew towards the defensive side mm -hmm. but uh <laughs> i'll just i'll just leave that as it is i'm not saying that's i'm not saying i'm guaranteeing i'm a national championship coach by any means i'm just saying that uh you know you can make a pretty convincing argument that when it comes to championships defensive guys have certainly held their own and more Zach Arnett promises yeah, championship. Exactly. No, no. <laughs> exactly. Jet told us after the game, it was midway the fourth quarter before we realized that Matt Brock was calling most of the plays in the bowl game there. Do you expect a seamless transition on that side of the ball with Coach Brock taking over? Yeah, I do. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm still involved over there, mm -hmm. so um, it's not like the defense is changing. But having to work with Coach Brock hand in hand for the last three years, Seeing how, seeing his daily approach to everything he does, uh, I know that the defense is in tremendous hands, and he's gonna, hey, he's probably gonna call it better than me. So, we'll see. <laughs> what did you see in Kevin Barbe that said he's the right fit, not just for the program, but for you? Yeah, we we vetted a lot of people for that offensive coordinator position. Um, obviously, there's a lot of rumors thrown out, and. Uh, in today's day and age of social media, you will see all kinds of reactions, right? But guilty. <laughs> uh, we talked. We talked to a lot of really good football coaches, mm -hmm. and myself, Brad Peterson, you know, kind of our, our chief of staff here. Uh, you know, we had a lot of good conversations, a lot of really good football coaches, and after a lot of them, though, the thing you always felt was. Yeah, but is that guy the right fit for Mississippi State? And I can tell you, after 
after our interview with Coach Barbe, the second we finished with him, we looked at each other and we said, that's our guy. Uh, obviously, the stats of the offenses, he's coordinated to speak for themselves. He's mm-hmm. had some of the most explosive offenses in college football. The analytics world will tell you that, and you lean on some of that stuff for, you know, one guy One guy told us, hey, you're putting together a thousand-piece puzzle, and my the information I provide is only about seven pieces of that, but, you know, but you can gain insight and value from, from every single piece. Mm-hmm. And so we, we looked at all the analytics. We looked at the stats. Uh, obviously, you have interviews, and you get a feel for who the guy is as a coach, as a, his personality. But when we put all that together, we knew he was our guy. Mm-hmm. He takes over a largely intact lineup. Uh, obviously, everybody, Winston Sharp, you'd love to have him back for a 19th year. <laughs> but still, does this spring for him set up as building on that group, or could you foresee major adjustments going forward, or is it kind of a wait and see? I know the fans are already fired up about tight ends, which State hasn't signed since 2017, or fullbacks coming back into the offense. I'll tell you what I'm really excited about is – and here's why I think I'm so excited to work with him because I think philosophically we almost have the exact same view on what our job is as, as coaches and coordinators. Is when I ask him, hey, what is your offensive philosophy or identity? What's it going to be? It's, well, show me who my best 11 players are. All right? And you talk to some people, it's, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, or I believe in this, and we got to get a guy who can do this. Coach Barbez was – no, we we got to figure out who our best eleven players are, and then you then you build the offense around those guys because at the end of the day, right? It's players who make plays and and win football games, and coaches you realize that and are humble enough to admit that hey, we got we got enough flexibility and malleability within our scheme to fit who our best players are. Those guys typically uh, do the best job, and so I'm excited to see what he produces on that side of the ball here. Have you ever called an offensive play in your life, even at the high school level, as a player? No. Well, uh, going back to as a player, uh, <laughs> maybe, no. But no, I can't remember really. Well, when I was a high school fullback, I wanted I wanted to trap play every every play, but I wasn't, that didn't work too good. Well, I'm fullback, then Mississippi State people are going to love you already for that. No, no, no. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> What have your conversations been like with your offensive players since the semester began? Oh, they've been good. They've been really good. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, as all this was going on, you had the transfer portal window mm-hmm. open, mm-hmm. right? And last I checked, it's not like we had a, a massive surge of guys leaving. Um, and so I think our guys are really excited for, for the direction we're headed. I think... I think we got a lot of really talented young men on that side of the ball. And I think when they hear from from myself and Coach Barbe that they've heard over the last month is, hey, our job is to figure out what exactly you do best, what is your skill set, and for us to put you in a position for you to be most successful, help the team win, and also the best thing for you and your development individual as, individual as a player. They're excited, to, they're excited to see what we put together here and go to work. Back in December, you joked, sort of joked, about injecting yourself into the um, recruiting evaluations for offensive players as well. But then again, you've coached so many defenses, so many places. You know the value of what a good offensive player looks like. So you, you feel really involved in the offensive recruiting too? 
Oh, I'll have input in it. I'll give my opinion, certainly. I think the biggest mistake uh, someone could make when it comes to an elevated role, I said this when I became the coordinator here, and I must say it again as the head coach, is just because I have the, you know, the head coach title doesn't mean that I'm the best evaluator in this building, mm-hmm. right? Uh, my job is to make sure we have an environment here that identifies who the best evaluators are and to lean on their, their ability. And so uh, I'm going to watch a kid and have an opinion on him, and Coach Barbe may ha- might have a completely different opinion on him. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to go ahead and probably err on the side that he's, he knows a lot more what he's looking for than I do. Uh, I obviously come at it from a different perspective and angle. I know big physical offensive linemen who are athletic and can move their feet are always good to have, right? I know wide receivers who can run and separate, and they're faster than the guys you can cover with are usually a good formula, (laughs) right? Running backs who are tough and physical and get downhill and break tackles through contact but can also make you miss. Yeah, those guys are always good, right? Um, (laughs) And those guys have opinions on defensive players too, Mm -hmm. right? And we welcome their opinions. So, But by no means is this – Oh, I'm now the uh, the final decision maker on all guys, and everyone else can be against a guy. And if I say take him, we're taking him, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Five weeks out for spring football, I mean, it's, it's practically upon you now. I think it starts May seventh or March seventh, mm-hmm. from what Brandon told me. Do you already have some general priorities for the team or for the staff, or just for yourself in spring ball? Oh, it goes back. It goes back to what we talked about. We got to we got to identify who our best players are. Mm-hmm. Right now, a lot of times you have a pretty good idea of who your guys are coming back, right? Who you know can play at this level. And obviously on defense, we got quite a few guys in the front back who mm-hmm. we know, we know what they're capable of. We want them to continue to progress and take the next step in their development. But, you know, when you got the top two returning tacklers in the SEC that are tackling duo together, mm-hmm. right? You feel pretty good about their ability to line up and, mm-hmm. and play well next year. Same thing with those guys in the front, you know, Jaden Cromedy coming back, Nathan Pickering, Okay. Um, on offense, you got Will Rogers coming back. Obviously, we know, you know, that receiver, Jaden Wallen, Tulu Griffin, right? Offensive line, a lot of those starters are back. But as we adapt our scheme or change our scheme a little bit offensively, and we're going to make adaptations and change some things defensively, because you're always doing that in football, right? We got to identify who our best players are. What can they do? What, what puts them in the best position to be successful? And while also doing that, you're trying to develop the youth and the depth on your roster. Mm-hmm. I actually think that spring is probably more beneficial to that than anything. You know, to be, to be quite honest, Jaden Cromedy, Buki Watson, they don't need a whole bunch of reps this spring. Mm-hmm. Right? But them guys who have, haven't played as much because they've been behind them, well, those guys need all kinds of reps. Mm-hmm. If you ever pause to think, what if I'd signed that contract with Syracuse? Other than the fact you'd probably uh, need some more heavy coach right now. I think Syracuse would be pretty angry because, you know, the guy who replaced me, I actually worked, we worked together, he's a uh, friend of mine. Right. He went in there, it, uh, developed a phenomenal defense, and now he's the defensive coordinator in Nebraska. And so, uh, yeah, I don't think too much about it. I just, I think about how, Blessed I've been that mm-hmm. Starkville took me in and mm-hmm. my life's forever changed for
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.